Welcome to Crowdfunding Uncut. This is the place where incredible project creators show you how they launch their products online using the world's largest crowdfunding engines, such as Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 48. I'm your host, Kirsten Ross. And today we have Ryan Battles, who is a co-founder of Harpoon. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's part it's a really cool freelance time tracking app that if you are a productivity hacker and like to be super efficient with the time that you spend, you should go check that out. Um, he's also a growth marketer and teaches freelancers how to build awesome SaaS products. Now, I came across Ryan's work when I kept hearing this uh, thing with part of validating a product is you have to understand who your customer is, not just by saying, okay, John is a guy that makes $60,000 a year, but how to really dive in and understand your customer. And no matter what I did, I couldn't figure out like a good brainstorming exercise for creating this customer profile. And I just went on to Google and came across this really cool blog. Um, it's ryanbattles.com and he had this amazing template for how to create your customer avatar, which is your perfect customer. And that was a little over a year ago. And I keep going back to his blog and seeing like really relevant things. And why this pertains to crowdfunding is because right before you even like you, you have a product, but you're months out from launch. If you want to be able to market your product properly, it all comes down to who is your customer? And I see Ryan as an authority in this space and I love his work. So I really wanted to bring him on the show, find out more about him, but also understand how crowdfunders can really apply this concept of a customer avatar into their product launch. So Ryan, I'm just really excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Kirsten. I'm super excited to be here and uh, yeah, talk a little bit more about this subject. Yeah. It's an awesome subject. It's like, I think marketing doesn't exist without these fundamentals, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I, t I definitely agree. Um, it, it's funny how many times I get into a marketing discussion with somebody and they're like, do you think we should be on Twitter or do you think we should be on Instagram? Uh, and, you know, it's like these are such the wrong questions because I'm just like, well, you can be on all of these things. In fact, you can do all kinds of stuff to promote yourself. But the question is who it all comes back to the avatar. I'm like, who are you reaching out to? And well, you know, after we really lay that foundation, that's when we can move forward and answer some of the other questions. Exactly. So before we get into the, the technical part of the interview, I'd love to know a bit about how you got into this space and who Ryan Battles is. Sure. Yeah. So I started off as a school teacher. Actually, I taught computer classes for uh, junior high and high school students. And one of the, my favorite things to do uh, with them was teaching them web design. And this was uh, 10 years ago or so. So, um, you know, it, it was super exciting and, and a lot of things were happening in the web world. And uh, it was a real joy to be able to bring that to students. And uh, my wife then, she was in a training program that she couldn't get out of and, and she ended up getting pregnant with twins. So uh, it was um, something where it's like, all right, well, if we're both going to continue working, we have to put, you know, these twins in daycare. And as I checked out the cost of daycare for two infants, it was... Um, it was quite expensive compared to the salary I was making at the school. So I just decided that I would uh, stop teaching and be a stay-at-home dad. And as it turns out, the twins, fortunately enough, slept quite a bit. You know, they'd, they'd get up for some feeding and then they'd go back down for a couple hours. Uh, so it was 
that time that I was like, oh, maybe I'll pick up a client or two and learn how to like, you know, build websites for them and just work as a freelancer. So that is kind of how my career as a freelancer slash entrepreneur took off. Um, for over four years, I continued to build up my portfolio with web design and development projects. And, and over that time, I got more and more interested in the marketing side of it. Um, again, just moving away from knowing that you can do something to uh, what you should do or why you should do something. So when it came to website design, it wasn't just like, oh, everybody's got, you know, scrolling uh, photos slides on their homepage. Let's do that. Um, you know, it's like the clients always wanted, you know, the cool new thing or the the buzzword. Um, but I was, you know, I, I got really interested in knowing like, all right, well, why are we doing this? Like, let's let's discover a little bit more about the people that we're trying to reach with this message. And then we'll try to find the ideal message for that and the ideal medium for it as well. So, yeah, over that time, I as a freelance designer developer, I was using a tool to invoice my clients that um, was, you know, great at tracking time and sending those invoices. But uh, it, it never really gave me that satisfaction of, you know, am I doing well with my business or not? Uh, you know, what is my financial goal here as a freelancer? Because I don't have a boss. I'm just out there trying to make as much money I can as I can. So like, how do I measure my own success? So it was with that idea that me and a friend of mine, Andy Johnson, uh, came up with the idea for Harpoon. So over the last couple of years, we've built that. And um, so not only do I write about marketing that and being a marketer, but I also work on Harpoon as a uh, tool for freelancers. That's really cool. And I have to say that I don't meet a lot of stay-at-home dads. So <laughs> was that a hard decision for you to make? Like, why would you stay home as opposed to your wife, which is traditional? Right. Well, yeah, like I said, she was in a, a training program. She was in her um, yeah, a training program that she couldn't take time away from. So she had to push through it. So, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, an interesting discussion, I guess. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy being with the kids. And I, I mean, I don't want to say like I'm not the typical like guy who wants to work because I think a lot of guys who are working would enjoy staying home with their kids. So it's uh, I don't know. It just it worked out for us. And we thought like we can make this work. We just cut expenses and um, maybe even saw it as a temporary solution. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. I, I just kind of dove in and, you know, I, one of the temptations was to like, you know, stay back and let my wife kind of run the ship as far as like how to raise kids and stuff like that, or, or always be the expert on raising kids. So probably the biggest thing that I did was, you know, I took it upon myself to watch videos and read parenting books. And, you know, once I made that domain of knowledge, my own, as well as, you know, the stuff that my wife was reading. And then it was so much more of a co-parenting situation than, you know, just like the dad who doesn't really know how to handle the children. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's how it worked out. <laughs> okay. No, that's really cool. Cause I think, um, the only other stay at home dad that I had grown up with was, uh, my, my dad has a best friend who, um, his wife was, an executive at a huge tech company and she was the breadwinner in the family Like he was making good money, but it just made sense for the same reason as what you said for him to stay home. And he ended up um, learning how to trade in the stock market and actually did really, really well at that <laughs> as a side gig. And so it, oh, it worked awesome. out um, for them as well. And, and it sounds like Harpoon came from that, the stay at home parenting that you did as well. Yeah, yeah, it did. And in fact, what my wife and I have settled into is is sort of a situation where she works part time now. And I, 
uh, work part time as well. Um, so like, you know, what, what, what would be nice is being able to take the kids to the zoo and on a weekday morning, uh, something like that. We also homeschool by the way. <laughs> so we've got, uh, four children that we, uh, homeschool. So yeah, it's just, we have kind of a unique lifestyle. Uh, a friend of mine who actually lives here in town and works for Google, he, um, he kind of has the same thing. They homeschool, he works from home. And it's fun to get together and talk about kind of the way that uh, careers and jobs are heading to where dads can be a lot more involved and, you know, jobs don't have to be, you know, strict nine to five at a cubicle. You know, you can actually create these lifestyle jobs that, you know, bring bring what so many are working for into the future into your current situation. Yeah, to really make it work for you. Right. As well. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how the transition was between building a SaaS product that became Harpoon was and transitioning out of freelance? Yeah, so um, you said freelance, going out of freelancing into Harpoon. Uh, yeah, sorry. So uh, yeah, that's that's one of those things that like ebbs and flows. I mean, it takes a long time for a SaaS product to uh, ramp up to where the income is sufficient. Like for example, Harpoon is only $20 a month. So it, it takes a lot of customers to be using Harpoon for us to have a full-time income for the three, uh, co-owners of the product. So we, um, we have to supplement that income with freelancing or some of us even have full-time jobs. So we work on it, you know, in the evening or weekends or as we can, um, in order to get it to that place where, it is providing the full-time income. And now we're fortunate enough now where we are making enough money month over month that we can continue investing in the product and we're exploring a lot of advertising and hiring other developers to help us move development along faster. So we're transitioning and sifting into the, the place that we want it to be. But as a self-funded company, it is uh, something where we need to supplement the income. So uh, each of us does also have a way to generate income on the side. So I haven't totally given up freelancing or working with clients. Yeah, I don't think I ever will either because it's really, because me, I'm getting into digital products. Like I'm at the very start of that, but I consult offline and that's, I really like being able to still have that human interaction and be able to get on Skype or phone with someone and just talk through in real time, helping them through whatever it is that they're getting through. Right. Yeah. And I can't really think of a, a scenario where I wouldn't want to at least have the option to uh, freelance. Like I, I remember there was a, a period where I was hired for two years by a startup to, to work on their uh, marketing team. So I, I closed up shop on my freelance uh, agency and I emailed my clients and handed them over to other people. And then I started working for this company. Well, it was right around that time that I got an email from a past client that was like, hey, do you want to work on this project? for the uh, presidential debates that are coming up. And this was, I think, in 2012. And I was like, oh, my, this sounds like a project that I, uh, you know, definitely shouldn't turn down. And even if I have to, like, stay up till one in the morning to keep working on it, I think I will. So, you know, even though I kind of turned off my freelancing role at that point, I, I was open to take that other project, which which worked out to be a pretty fun project that, uh, yeah, connected with me with a lot of people that I still work with to today. Oh, that's so cool. And... Now, if we can shift a bit into uh, customer avatar, when you, like every startup entrepreneur learns through experience what to do and what not to do. 
can you tell me why a customer avatar would be an important first step to use as a foundation to build your business? Yeah, I think what it does is it helps uh, helps prevent one of the biggest pitfalls that a lot of business owners have or marketers have, which is we, we often throw our own opinions in to the mix. And I think there's like a classic story of uh, the CEO that says, you know, take the red off of the website because I don't like red. Um, you know, it's like has nothing to do with the company or marketing or the customer. It's just this guy doesn't like red, so we take it off. Uh, so, and, and I think that bias is inevitable and it's going to slide in. So, you know, personally, I might like to use certain tools uh, or I might like to read certain periodicals or, or media sources online. And so my bend is going to be to want to use those as a marketer. But, um, you know, until I really dive in and try to forget my own personal preferences and learn as much as I can about the people who I'm actually trying to serve with my product, that um, I'll be able to stop and say, like, all right, you know, let's say I give my avatar a name, like Adam Avatar. If I say, all right, what would Adam want? You know, is Adam surfing YouTube all day or is Adam more the guy who's on LinkedIn? Uh, You know, because I'm not on LinkedIn personally, but maybe the company that I'm marketing for or the product I'm marketing, you know, the people buying it are on LinkedIn and that's their primary domain. So when you build out your avatar, you can start to answer those questions as far as like, where are they and what sort of thing motivates them to buy? Um, And a lot of times that's completely different from what my own answers to that would be. Right. And so you're taking the bias out of it by making an avatar of what this customer actually is. Now, The avatar that you're creating, are you making a ton of assumptions or are you getting real data and then building your character based on that? I think it's a combination of things. I think your avatar should always be uh, improving or adjusting as you learn more and more about the people who are buying your product. Um, But it starts off, you know, I like to try to, you know, uh, Amy Hoy, a friend of mine who has a course that called 30 by 500. Um, her course talks about going on the sales safari and a sales safari is going out and reading forum posts, reading comments, reading, uh, Amazon book reviews, just going out and reading anywhere that people are giving their opinions on things. (laughs) And, uh, as far as like trying to dig up, like who's talking about this and what are they saying about it? What are they saying their pain points are? And so doing that safari detective work, you can, uh, you know, you can get a lot of information as as, start, as soon as you start to see patterns arising. And then the rest you can fill in with, you know, what you think this person would be like, maybe some assumptions there, like, you know, what their income might be or uh, how old they are, things like that, um, which then you can refine over time as you start to get real data in from the customers that are making purchases. Uh, so, yes, the avatar is not a... Uh, something that cannot shift. It's it's something that you need to have pliable and always be working on. Yeah, and constantly improving as you get more data. Correct. Now, I'm curious, because you've done consulting work in the past and you've personally been through the freelance journey of validating and creating customer avatars, can you tell me a time when you did not use a customer avatar, or maybe not you, but you've seen perhaps a friend go through this where they ignored the customer avatar. They made a ton of assumptions based on what they thought the customer wanted and it ended up badly for this co-founder or startup entrepreneur. 
Sure. Yeah. In fact, I'll um, I'll go ahead and just back up to when I when I first started freelancing. I I, I did have a few gigs. You know, when those twins were sleeping, I, I landed a few. Fortunately, right off the bat. But as I was trying to drum up more business. I decided to specialize in small business owners. And so even though I didn't really understand avatars at the time uh, per se, I did, you know, have this idea in my mind of who I was going for, you know, these local businesses looking for a website. So I spent all this time building my website out and researching other websites of companies that were trying to appeal to small businesses. And um, all my marketing materials said, you know, website for your small business. And then I went out and I started talking to people and started showing them what I do. And I was getting shut down left and right. Um, certain people were like, you know, I'm not looking for a website or, uh, you know, I've I already just spent, you know, this much money and, and got this other website built for me. I'm not looking to to make the switch. And and as I was going through this, I realized, you know, like, I don't I don't think these people are the people who are going to help me to buy. So uh, without, you know, really validating first like who I'm going after I, I think I wasted a lot of time and energy on my own part and uh, so then I went back to the drawing board and started doing some more uh, some more homework on figuring out like who who out there needs somebody with my skill set and so I started digging into certain things that I knew how to do and one of which was I I knew a certain content management system pretty well called expression engine so I started looking into like is there a market for people who specialize in this and as it, as it turns out, it was. And so my new avatar then was not just a general small business owner who lived locally to where I'm at, but uh, somebody who was looking for an expression engine developer. And I started drawing up maybe some of the ideas of, of uh, how big their businesses were, how much they were looking to spend on their sites. And as I got that stuff written down, I started taking out Google AdWords against that avatar, meaning like trying to target people who are, you know, my assumed avatar. And at that point, that's when my business really took off because I, I did kind of tap into a, a market that was ripe to buy and was well-defined. So, uh, yeah, when I started off not really knowing super well who I was going after, it didn't work out. Um, but after I had gotten that figured out, that's when things changed for me. That's really fascinating because I think that and that's common with project creators is they hear that you have to be specific. So they'll pick maybe one or two interests and then go after those people. And then after a ton of rejections, realize that they've identified the wrong demographic and then have to pivot to eventually stumble and find who the demographic is to work on. So I'm curious, how did you go through that? Like, did you use any specific tools or exercises to figure out that expression engine was the niche that you should focus on? Uh, well, some of it was just, you know, like I said, reading through as much as I can. I'm, I'm just such an information junkie. So I'm the kind of guy that'll Google something and then open up every page on the first or every result on the first two pages in different tabs and then just go through them and just try to look for patterns and kind of absorb what I can. So it was in, yeah, the comments and, and you know, sort of the meta information on the pages that I was able to start to pick up some of these patterns. Uh, but then, yeah, my first real test, I guess, to get some numbers behind this was to to do Google AdWords. And, and I love Google AdWords for that reason. A lot of people are down on it because it's, it's a little more expensive than it used to be. But it, there's really few better tools to do some uh, information gathering than just throwing an ad out there. And even if 
you know, it doesn't lead to sales. Like you're just interested to see, well, what terms are working? How many people are searching for this? Is what I wrote in this ad getting them to click? Even if there's nothing on the other side but an animated GIF of a cat, like it was just able to get them to click on that, which validated that it was something that they were interested in. So yeah, in doing the Google AdWords, it, I realized that's what um, was getting a lot of clicks and therefore a lot of phone calls to book appointments with me as their as their developer. Okay, so when you started the research, what like did you start typing in web development forums? Or how did you, before you knew um, that you were seeing some common traits that the people were looking for, how did you start that search? Yeah, well, so one of the tools I like to use is uh, a mind map generation tool. Um, and so a mind map is essentially where you start with a bubble in the middle and they have little spokes coming out of it with other bubbles and then each bubble gets their own spokes and so on and so forth. So, uh, and the one I use, uh, I believe is FreeMind. Um, it's a it's a free one, but uh, anyway, and another one was MindMeister. I know I use that one too. So I started off with just putting myself in the middle, like, all right, here's me. And as a freelancer, I knew like, okay, what skills do I have that I need to, you know, potentially market? You know, are people looking for somebody who uh, is a designer, a developer, a wordsmith, um, you know, a marketer? What sort of things? So I just started spoking out from who I was as to what sort of things I might be able to offer people. And even with those, you know, I went out to the web design and development spoke, and then that even got broken up further to where development was one of those. And out of development, it was the various things I knew how to develop. You know, it was Expression Engine, WordPress, jQuery, a few other technical things that I knew how to do. So I ended up with this giant mind map of all the skills. And then I started like plucking off like, well, what sort of things would I like to work on? Am I interested in working on? Uh, and narrowed down those choices there. And then with that final list is when I where I went out and I was trying to see, like, are people looking for somebody like this? And I found that, you know, as a, a marketer, even though that was one of my skills at the time, um, you know, it wasn't as black and white as, say, Expression Engine Developer. So I, I after doing just Google searching on all those things and finding out, like, how to hire, you know, a developer, or how to hire an Expression Engine Developer, or where to find this type of person. It was just through creative searching through Google that I started coming up with all the data that I was just reading and gathering. And, and it just became clear through the various channels that the expression engine developer was a good one to start to pursue. And yeah, I love that. Cause it's also really, um, you've just given a good way that how someone can use a mind map and I'll link to this in the show notes, but a mind map doesn't, if you're freelancing, you've shown a great example for how to use it for that to um, match your skill sets with what your clients are looking for. But if you're doing a product-based campaign, you could do it based on what interests or needs your product fulfills for the customer and then use that to populate where you should be looking. Yeah, exactly. Start with your product right in the middle and start spoking off like, all right, well, what does this product do? How does this product help people? Uh, you know, what are people excited about when they use this product? And uh, yeah, start branching off from that. Once you get a feature that people really like, then you start branching off of that feature and say like, well, what do they like about that feature? What are the particular people that like this? You know, are there various industries using this? You know, is this appealing to teachers as well as doctors? And, you know, maybe each of them gets their own spokes, but you just keep spreading out and spreading out until you get a bunch of ideas to go out there and start to do research on, or at least groups of AdWords to, to try to test to see which one is more successful. 
And so I'm assuming that since you saw success applying a mind map to your freelancing, that you used similar strategy when you launched Harpoon. Oh yeah, definitely. I I used uh, at th- at that point in my life when we were working on Harpoon, I was really into paper and pencil. So I have these notebooks right now sitting on my shelf where I can open up, and there are all these mind maps drawn out of Harpoon, and uh, you know just all sorts of brainstorming like where does this fit into the landscape with the current tools uh you know who would be using this uh if if freelancers are our goal like what types of freelancers are we going towards freelance writers freelance developers freelance lawyers um you know like what are we going after here and we explored each one of those spokes and and i still have them all written down that's fantastic and i'm curious if someone is listening to this and they want to validate their avatar but not use Google ads because they're on a bit of a budget. Do you have any bootstrapping tips for how to do that? Yeah. The cheapest and best way is to actually know somebody who uh, fits the profile. I mean, just start with like, if you have one customer, just call them up and be like, boom, you're my avatar. Tell me all about yourself. I mean, not in such a way that would creep them out, but you know, find out as much as you can about that person. Um, You know, if you have at least one person uh, maybe they, maybe you haven't even sold it yet. Um, I'm a big fan of pre-selling if you can, uh, going out, talking to people about your idea. If they say, say, that sounds great. That's something I would definitely like. And just say like, Hey, do you mind if I just send you a PayPal invoice and, uh, I'll give you a discount if you prepay now and I'll give you the first one off the line, you know, something like that. And, and I know that that's a lot of the reason why Kickstarter came around is to sort of do some of that pre-sales as well. Um, but you know, just, if you get a handful of people that are like, yes, I would like to buy and they back it up by actually uh, being willing to get their credit card out, then boom, there you go. At least one, one of those people is your customer avatar. And the more you have, the more you can try to find generalities amongst them. Yeah. One thing I really wish, cause the strategy around a launch on Indiegogo or Kickstarter is like, I really wish that people can put their money where their mouth is that like instead, what we have to do is we have to build a list before the campaign and then keep them engaged enough so that on launch day, they're so excited to buy. But if there was a way for us to actually give the customer a discount and get that transaction done prior to the first day, that would be great because I think that would help a lot with the day one of sales. But currently, hmm. there's not a way to do that, hmm. at least that I know. Right. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to... Uh, I, I haven't done a sale through those services, but I do know people who have just done the verbal agreement slash, you know, raw and dirty invoice, you know, from PayPal or Square Cash or whatever, you know, just boom, just, you know, uh, get them to because so many people, they'll they'll tell you it's a great idea. They're like, oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, as as humans, we want to be friendly and we want to, you know, tell people that what they're doing sounds cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, would I be willing to pay for something? Uh, probably not. There's not a whole lot that I'm motivated to go out there and buy uh, unless I'm just, you know, in the heat of the moment. So, uh, yeah, it, it would take a lot more for me to get my credit card out. Yeah. I mean, unless I guess what you could do is if your best friend is launching and you trust them to give them money directly and then they can just use that money to dump into the campaign on the first day. But, the you know, that's generally not going to work if you are not in close proximity with this person because it's a trust issue at that point sure and you know if there's a way too to um 
Let's, uh, my friend Rob Walling, he's got this uh, concept called the stair-step approach where he talks about with products that you have, start with something small and build up to the bigger product. So, for example, if I'm giving away um, or, or if I'm trying to sell a certain product or tool, is there something smaller, you know, even if it's an information product or something that I can not just pre-sell, but just give away to people to sort of build up that audience? So yeah, if let's some some friends of mine, uh, people that I've worked with, they do standing desks. So as an example, so they they create these standing desks and they sell them, and they did sell them through Kickstarter. Uh, so what they wanted to do before getting on Kickstarter is to create a blog and start giving away, you know, little you know either little physical products or maybe like an ebook download, something where they could start to build an audience that was interested in what they were doing. So that by the time they did go to Kickstarter, they already had an email list ready to send an email at blast out to and say, all right, we're launching, you know, in five days or we've launched today. Head over to Kickstarter and uh, you can start to sign up. So even if it's not the actual thing that you end up selling, you can come up with a smaller product, even a free product uh, beforehand that, that might help you build that audience. Yeah, because at that point you're building a relevant audience. Correct. Yeah. And then you can even take that a step back and say, okay, if who are interested in, in standing desks, you could say entrepreneurs as an example. Okay. Are they online entrepreneurs? Where can I find these people? What would they be interested in? And then you develop your like the five productivity hacks you never knew about for entrepreneurs. Exactly. That's your download. And then you can even go so far as driving Facebook ads or targeting that relevant audience to build that relevant list. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this company, they actually, their, their avatar was uh, homeschoolers. Um, and they didn't even know that I was a homeschooler when they contacted me. But uh, so they're like, we want, you know, we want to make these for children, even though they, they made them for adults as well. That one of their unique selling points was they made child sized desks as well. So we started off early by going into subreddits and, and other areas where homeschoolers were gathering saying, hey, you know, have you guys ever thought about stand-up desks for your kids? And we point them towards articles on their website that talked about the benefits of stand-up desks for children in school. And uh, then, you know, you could download a free PDF of, you know, the benefits of, you know, standing desks or, or how to, you know, have a more ergonomic home classroom, things like that. It was just an easy way for them to reach out um, using their avatar to where these homeschool parents were hanging out to drive them back, build their list. And by the time uh, they actually started their campaign. They already had a, a nice following. And they also emailed everybody updates as their product was being built. So they got people interested in the story. There was photos of their their work, workshop, photos of you know meetings that they had where they made key decisions, just various interesting things that got people invested in the product. So yeah, by the time it launched, it, they were able to send qualified traffic that were not only interested in the product, but also uh, invested in their company with their interest. Yeah. And that's the way a proper launch should be done. <laughs> really. <laughs> so it's not just about building an audience. It's the relevant audience. And you can't do that without first knowing who that audience is. Right. Exactly. So cool. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. Before we wrap up, I'm wondering if you have any famous last words. Ooh, famous last words. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, um, get away from yourself and the assumptions that you have, because I know that in my, in my, uh, line of work, it's always been, 
things that I thought to be true that I was too lazy to go out and validate that ended up, you know, leading me down a path that, that didn't find success. So uh, be as analytical as you can. Go out there, always be learning and always test. Love it. And if people want to find out more information about Harpoon, yourself, and the work that you do, where is a good website to send them to? Yeah, if you go to harpoonapp.com, that'll uh, show you more about Harpoon and kind of how we're marketing that as well. Uh, but my writing is over at ryanbattles.com. And there's a link at the top in my navigation for SaaS marketing. If you're interested in learning more about customer avatars as well as all the other things I've learned in the marketing world uh, for building up a product, launching it, and maintaining it is um, a book called SaaS Marketing Essentials, which it, it applies to more than SaaS uh, products. It, 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 you know, it'll apply to basically any kind of marketing that you're looking to do. So, uh, yeah. And then I'm Ryan Battles at Twitter. Okay. And I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Kirsten. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, be sure to head over to crowdfundinguncut.com. We have a awesome new freebie for you guys that you can check out and download, as well as you can take part in our free Facebook group. Uh, just there will be a link for that. It's crowdfunding domination. And apart from that, we will see you next week. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.